Chapter 4 of The Goddess of Atvatbar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. Our Adventures in the Polar Sea. The storm lasted for four days. On its subsidence, we discovered ourselves completely surrounded with ice. We were beset by a veritable polar pack brought down by the violence of the gale. The ice was covered deeply with snow, which made a dazzling scene when lit by the brilliant sun. We seemed transported to a new world. Far as the eye could see, huge masses of ice interposed with floebergs of vast dimensions. The captain allowed the sailors to exercise themselves on the solidly frozen snow. It was impossible to get any fresh meat, as the pack, being of a temporary nature, had not yet become the home of bear, walrus or seal. We saw a water sky in the north, showing there was open water in that direction, but meantime we could do nothing but drift in the embrace of the ice in an easterly direction. In about a week the pack began to open, and water lanes to appear. A more or less open channel appearing in the northeasterly direction, we got the ship warped around, and, getting up steam, drew slowly out of the pack. Birds began to appear, and flocks of ducks and geese flew across our track, taking a westerly course. We were now in the latitude of Wrangell Island, but in west longitude 165. We had the good fortune to see a large bear floating on an isolated floe toward which we steered. I drew blood at the first shot, but Flat Hootley's rifle killed him. The sailors had fresh meat that day for dinner. The day following we brought down some geese and elder ducks that sailed too near the ship. We followed the main leads in preference to forcing a passage due north and when in latitude 78 degrees, longitude 150 degrees, the watch cried out, Land ahead! On the eastern horizon rose several peaks of mountains, and on approaching nearer we discovered a large island extending some 30 miles north and south. The ice foot surrounding the land was several miles in width, and bringing the ship alongside, three-fourths of the sailors, accompanied by the entire dogs and sledges, started for the land on a hunting expedition. It was a fortunate thing that we discovered the island, for, with our slow progress and monotonous confinement, the men were getting tired of their captivity and anxious for active exertion. The sailors did not return until long after midnight, encouraged to stay out by the fact that it was the first the night sun had remained entirely above the horizon. It was the 10th of April, or rather the morning of the 11th, when the sailors returned with three of the five sledges laden with the spoils of the chase. They had bagged a musk ox, a bear, an arctic wolf and six hares, a good day's work. Grog was served all around in honour of the midnight sun and the capture of fresh meat. We dressed the ox and bear, giving the offal as well as the wolf to the dogs, and revelled for the next few days in the luxury of fresh meat. The island not being marked on our charts, we took credit to ourselves as its discoverers, and took possession of the same in the name of the United States. The captain proposed to the sailors to call it Lexington Island in honour of their commander, and the men replied to his proposition with such a rousing cheer that I felt obliged to accept the distinction. Flat Hootley reported that there was a drove of musk oxen on the island, and before leaving it we organised a grand hunting expedition for the benefit of all concerned. Leaving but five men, including the first officer and engineer, on board to take care of the ship, I took charge of the hunt. After a rough-and-tumble scramble over the chaotic ice foot, we reached the mainland in good shape, save that a dog broke its leg in the ice and had to be shot. Its companions very feelingly gave it a decent burial in their stomachs. Mounting an ice-covered hillock, we saw, two miles to the southeast in a valley, where grass and moss were visible, half a dozen musk oxen, doubtless the entire herd. 
we adopted the plan of surrounding the herd, drawing as near the animals as possible without alarming them. Sniffing danger in the southeasterly wind, the herd broke away to the northwest. The sailors jumped up and yelled, making the animals swerve to the north. A semicircle of rifles was discharged at the unhappy brutes. Two fell dead in their tracks, and the remaining four, badly wounded, wheeled and made off in the opposite direction. The other wing of the sailors now had their innings, as we fell flat and heard bullets fly over us. Three more animals fell, mortally wounded. A bull calf, the only remnant of the herd on its legs, looked in wonder at the sailor who dispatched it with his revolver. The dogs held high carnival for an hour or more on the slaughtered oxen. We packed the sledges with a carcass on each, and in due time regained the ship, pleased with our day's work. Leaving Lexington Island, we steered almost due north through a vast open pack. On the 1st of May, we arrived in latitude 78 degrees 30 minutes west, longitude 155 degrees 50 minutes, our course having been determined by the lead of the lanes in the enormous drifts of ice. Here another storm overtook us, travelling due east. We were once more beset and drifted helplessly for three days before the storm subsided. We found ourselves in longitude 150 degrees again, in danger of being nipped. The wind, suddenly drifting to the east, reopened the pack for us, to our intense relief. Taking advantage of some fine leads and favourable winds, we passed through leagues of ice, piled up floes and floebergs, forming scenes of arctic desolation beyond imagination to conceive. At last we arrived at a place beyond which it was impossible to proceed. We had struck against the gigantic barrier of what appeared to be an immense continent of ice, for a range of ice-clad hills lay only a few miles north of the Polar King. At last the sceptre of the Ice King waved over us with the command, thus far and no further. End of chapter 4